Josh. And I am Alyssa. And we are back with a brand spanking new episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A read-along pod where we dig into the good, the great, and the problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. Hop into a smoke-filled room and so stuff happens and you get the result. Woohoo! How you today, Ice? I'm hanging in there. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm living the dream up here and <laughs> relatively dry compared to San Diego. Oh, yeah. Pacific San Northwest. Diego. This flooding all over the place. Mom's floated away into the abyss. God rest her soul. <laughs> what are you uh, up to this week? Anything fun? Not too much. Just kind of. You're, you're so lame, which is. I'm so boring. The only problem is you're supposed to be the fun one because I'm blank. Well, that's problematic. Oh, <laughs> uh, we we're gonna get a third co-host here. Goodness gracious! Uh, one thing I did do this past week successfully is I registered us for Norwest Con, which will be my first con experience of any kind. Really, Ooh. this is more of a literary con, according to their website. But they do do the other stuff too. So we could also, while we're there, put on our glasses and scoff at other con goers. So. <laughs> Very Sounds excited like for that possibility. Sounds um, like a plan. But we are registered to go hear the man, the myth, the legend, and make him take a picture with a dick mark. And uh, <laughs> he wants to or not. Who wouldn't want to? Let's be real. And uh, exciting times. Let us know if you're going to be in the area. Love to catch a chest bump. Ships pass on the night. Beyond that, that was really my excitement. I also lied, unintentionally so, to you and the podcast universe, the tea plotters of the world. Last week, tournament was not this past weekend, which I found out on Wednesday. Oh, <laughs> I was planning on leaving Friday, so it's great. Uh, I had a whole open weekend, and I did nothing because hey. nothing. Or I had so that this worked. weekend tournament. So moving on up in the world, very exciting. I had a very fun work call about that today, and by fun, I mean not. It's just confusing. Like there's a lot of I know nothing to this area, but there's a lot of well, this is what we do. Okay. Well, what if we did it a better way? <laughs> also, it was a dick move for the new guy to assume it's better. So I'm like, I am in a weird place where I'm trying to kind of feel it out, but also use lean on experience. But I digress. Um, beyond that, got anything, anything coming up this weekend, at least? Be fun for once. I know. Seriously. I, uh, I, I'm just working. Lots yeah. of people dying in the world right now. If they would stop doing that. I know, you right? Go like win some trivia more often or something. No, so it is also um, this week is Medical Ego Death Investigator Week. Oh my god! Yeah, fine. Let's see. You get a whole week. That means we get a day. Well, nobody actually. You know, I think the twenty sixth is the actual day. Martin but, Luther uh, King gave his life for civil rights, and we give him one Monday. Well, not like we get days <laughs> off or anything. I like, know. come on, I don't even I, think. I don't even think our boss will get, get us a pizza. So, you know. I, be, I bet you the state of Arizona would more quickly and readily recognize uh, medical investigator, death investigator week than Martin, they did Martin Luther King Day, though. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> they were forced into it. Oh, <laughs> Literally. Pick it up. Uh-huh. Either way, <laughs> we did chapters 13 through 18 of Fight Night. Fight Night. Again, the intrigue is you know, more questions than answers. Which is fun, uh, a good little cliff, cliffish, hangerish, big step, but question mark end to this section. What do you think? 
you know, it's uh again, we're progressing. We're we're seeing new magic, we're seeing new uses of the world, which is always a plus. Yeah, we we also got to to run into Bob, which is always great. Always problematic, which gives us, you know, I get to use the uh yikes. Yeah. Segue, uh, <laughs> which is part of why we love Bob. But also, I mean Bob is 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 good. Yeah. <laughs> You want to get us uh, caught up with where the first 12 chapters of this novel get us standing right here and now? You bet. So so we start this book with Harry heading to a death scene with Sergeant Murphy. CPD is calling it a suicide, and Harry found a mysterious note that's hidden that only he could find. That is a Bible verse saying, uh, suffer not a witch to live. And we learned that this person was part of a coven of witches or wizards. or, And we learned that there is a group of women called the Ordo of, I can't think of the word, but the, the large the cooking pot. But they are Ordo, the or- Ordo Lebes. Ordo Lebes, which is the order of the large cooking pot or the order of the cauldron. And it seems like they are being picked off. And we learn that other cities from, and then Murphy's car goes boom. We don't know who made the Murphy's car go boom, but car went boom. And then Harry goes, is at Anna Ash's apartment and a fire starts. There are no alarms going off and it appears as though everyone in the building is sleeping. Mouse does some magic, barky, barky magic. And we are, we get out of the building. And we see the man in a gray cloak who's been described as being having been with these women before they die. And Harry decides to pursue Mr. Gray Cloak at the end of our chapters from last week. That's spectacular. I do love when Harry, I mean, he, he I, I call him dumb a lot, That's, which and I say this with love. I love Harry Dresden. He's probably my 10th favorite character in these novels, but like not because I don't like him. This is a great novel. But he often, like, recognizes he's doing something stupid. Yeah. And he says, this is stupid. But he doesn't stop doing it. <laughs> he just keeps going, which I love. But, but um, that's, that's, that's real life. Because I'm sure there are many things I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. And I just keep doing it. Yeah, like, that's... How many days have I been alive? 365 <laughs> times 39, plus however many we're at. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just funny to, like, it, from a first-person narrative to get that. Like, oh, yeah. Because he, he is very clever. You know, yes. he, he, he would get this problem-solving and stuff. And he's clever enough to realize when he's doing something dumb, mm-hmm. but he'll do it to protect people. Yes. Yeah. Isn't Egan really that? You know, like, this isn't a, no one's directly threatened in this moment. So it, it is just him, like, I don't know if egoing or not, but it's, it's just interesting and, and a little bit different than some of his other recognizing he's doing something mm-hmm. dumb, but I do like it. But so what he does, as he, I mean, he's still continuing to do it, but he slows down. And again, we get the yin and the yang of Harry Dresden. The, yeah. Like, do, doing a dumb thing because it needs to be done. And then also being really clever it's like clever clever like a fox you know like or a stupid like a fox i guess yeah um like he really has both sides of it and i love how dynamic because that is everyone isn't good at everything mm-hmm. and like he does have that, weaknesses which are great but yeah go ahead it's that internal conflict of stupidity where we all have it he's so clever but he's dumb <laughs> which is like I think, again, I see a lot of myself in Harry Dresden. Very I often. always say I'm the dumbest smart person you'll ever meet. <laughs> well, I think you're the smartest dumb person I've ever met. So oh, you good. have to understand <laughs> I kid, I kid. is brilliant. Um, oh. Uh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> oh. 
What am I looking for here? So yeah, I guess 13, uh, lucky number 13. I've already started. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. There's a great thought that he has as he's running through this because he didn't, he was very adamant and quick to squash the cooking pot gals suggesting that it was a warden, right? And it's obviously not just them. That's intentionally what Grey Cloak is doing, trying to cause Mm -hmm. mistrust and prevent people from seeking help from the best equipped people to stop him. Yeah. Right. Which is a great, clever villain move. Cutting oh, off definitely. The oh, definitely. But he was immediately like adamant. Absolutely not. It's not the war. There's no way. But as he's doing this, running through this, and he sees him running away, that doubt starts it's, to trickle in that he, or that's the assuredness. It's that oh, shit moment. Maybe they're right. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, fuck. But that also <laughs> leads into a childish glee. I yes. notion of the wardens are the bad guys, right? Because we saw how dickish Morgan was. Yeah. And, and he spent to... his entire life fearing and hating them. Yeah, and he was 25 in that novel. So that had to have been, and he was a teenager, probably 14, 15, I'm guessing, when he, I, I don't actually recall how old he was when he left Justin, but it could like have been. 16. Yeah, but so it, this is, it's been almost a decade, and Morgan treated him like that. So imagine how bad his interactions with the wardens would have been earlier yeah before he was saved by ebenezer yeah oh no i mean i mean even between that like but how dickish he was in when harry was 25 yeah was nine years of him not of you know of that same suspicion like he that that shows us how bad that cloud over him was yeah i feel like and that's kind of why where this childish lead comes in like fuck those great clothes i hope it is <laughs> it's the hoping it is and hoping it isn't yeah exactly it's that dichotomy of fuck yeah if it's these guys i can totally it's totally like i'm in the right and like if it is them fuck that complicates things so much and also would would show so much deeper strength to the black council that yes he he mentions in this chapter and it would sow so much more distrust oh absolutely in the wardens in the entire system Mm -hmm. which could be very very problematic which is exactly what we're seeing here. Literally, it's, I mean, it's bodies all over the country, but the community in Chicago, I wonder how cognizant they are because Harry didn't know that, you know, the victims in the other places. And I don't know how good of the network was. So this is over three bodies or two, two, because only two of those three women were Ordo Levis. So think of the suspicion that they were casting on Harry who saved the day in front of these fucking people multiple times. Like, and a couple bodies, in a, because he was wearing a gray cloak, caused that much suspicion. Now project that over places where Harry isn't as famous and successful, over, play, you know, worldwide where people aren't super familiar with Wardens. He had a hero for six novels here, or seven mm-hmm. novels by now. Imagine yeah. how easy it is to sow distrust in the Wardens and the shadowy White Council and stuff in these types of pockets of communities elsewhere, right? In Seattle, there is no trust in innate trust and oh, yeah. in, in Harry in, in that rep, you know the in the representative of the white council there so like it it's crazy how easy it is to cause exactly what you're, you're saying oh this, yeah this spot, mistrust and like potentially bring down the entire border the, you know the, the moral magical community definitely it's really interesting how easy that was well and it's it's that whole idea that this is an underground, not mainstream community. Mm-hmm. And 
who can you trust? Yeah. Like even Harry, who is a warden, is at this point starting who can to, I trust? to think about it, right? We know there's a, and we, and we know that there's a traitor in that inner circle of the black, the white council, right? Based yeah. on the information we got last novel. But these people don't know that, right? So it's no. like, it is crazy that there is, you know, again, any secret of cabal that runs the sh- runs things in the background is going to have mistrust, right? Oh, definitely. Um, think about how Harry talked about the White Council, even with his closest friends over the first few novels, right? But literally lying to Will's face, to, to Billy, about the existence of them in book four. But yeah, so it is obviously teetering on a on a knife's edge here this entire community Um, well it's 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 a cabal of secrecy mm -hmm. the entire thing it's all super secret super secret squirrel shit and it's it the average joe doesn't know who to trust and it makes no question whether or not good reason with good reason absolutely we know a lot of the people on the on the white council and and i trust Carlos, and only because he's charming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, literally, I think I think Harry's going to have a heel turn here. Uh, that's one of my, my one of my pet theories is that Harry's the bad guy. I just mostly because I think it'd be cool. I don't really think it'd be te- a, a good way to. I don't think there's a way to make that happen in a novel series about the guy. But in my youth, I uh, this is an aside, but I had a uh, you know you kick thoughts around. I had an idea for like a a novel or a story where like the first scene is like the last scene and it's like revolutionaries storming the gates or whatever, you know, like taking down the general or the emperor, whatever, you know, the bad guy. But, and then you go back in time mm-hmm. and you see, you know, this uprising happen. And like the guy that's leading the uprising is the emperor at the end. You know what I mean? Like, where it's like, just, just that like, mm-hmm. a, a, like the idea of like power corrupting is kind of the thought, but like, Oh, definitely. I just think that would be a really cool twist. And now I just, I spoiled it. So I don't think I'm going to get, get around to writing that novel, but if I do, don't tell anybody. Right. I, I think that's like, no spoilers, but I, don't know, I think that's a really interesting. I, think I don't, it's know, interesting I don't know how yeah. it would work. And you'd have to have like clues where like technology is a lot worse at the beginning or, you know, after the first scene or whatever, but that could just look like a decadent power group and a poor uprising. I, I never actually, put anything into it besides that but i love the idea it's a good idea but like i do think that's probably why i'm projecting that onto harry that harry's actually uh-huh. going to be a, a villain one of the future novels is about wrestling with greek gods i think that's <laughs> what we know about it it's like three novel two or three novels out but it's called it's about wrestling and mm-hmm. it's called heel turn <laughs> Which is a wrestling turn. Yes, uh, very much. Even I know that. Yeah, when a face, you're you're either a face, a good guy, or a heel. And so there's a face, there's face turns and a face heel. Like when the good guy turns bad, there's also, you know, whatever. But like, I I don't know. I that only, I didn't even think about that when I had this idea. And um, Dragon Fett, friend of the program, Dragon Fett, actually like put that that together. That, that, because I, I don't know. I, I love that idea. That's my, that's my theory. I'm sticking to it. Uh, so i trust carlos period yeah i also have another theory where he's a bad guy too but that one's less likely no so, carlos is a good guy Carlos. so harry's chasing the maybe warden gray cloak and he calls him gray cloak for the rest of it so i will do the same again this is harry's brilliant detective mind here where gray cloak runs into a parking structure and the idea is harry chases him in there and, and you can ambush him 
or you can get you can get separation in there, right? I, either way, because there's so many shadows and twists and turns and stuff. And so Henry recognized what he's really going to do is either, you know, get him or use that to lose him. So mm-hmm. don't follow him in there and I have a chance of getting him. And it, it works out cleverly. He sneaks out to his car on the, parked on the street. And, and proves, jumping off a sixth floor building. Yes, which proves two things. He is a villain, a, uh, or supernatural rather, but also he has a superpower. He has two superpowers, not dying from six foot, six story drops and finding parking in downtown Attend Chicago. It is nighttime, but still. And Harry, again, he caught it. It was perfect. He recognizes he can do one of two things here. He can blast him like he did the fetch at the end of Proven Guilty, mm-hmm. or he can try to track this guy and get more information on the Black Council, because presumably all these things are connected. And he chooses to do the latter, and he does a, a cool spell where he attaches a little speck of paint to the vehicle that the gray cloak is driving away in. And because that is part of, sorry, he forzores a little piece of paint off of the car mm-hmm. and he catches it in a, in a matchbox. And because it, that is a part of the car, he can use thaumaturgy to connect the two and track it down. He does know that the car is probably stolen or he's, just, he's not going to be able to do this for long. So he's got a hustle, unfortunately. He goes back and catches up with Elaine and Anna. He grabs Mouse and he heads home for little Chicago. And sweet Mouse. Mouse comes in and Mouse is exhausted. He's he such a good boy. Such a good boy. He eats his kibble and passes out without even turning in a circle first. He was asleep almost before he stopped moving. And Harry drapes his duster over him to, and lets him sleep. He calls Tomas once again and reaches his answering machine, and then he heads down to the lab. The lab has changed a little bit since we last saw it. There is now a small little desk in the corner that Molly did some of her studying there, kept her journal, learned power calculations, and had several books I'd told her to read. We'd begun working on some basic potions, and the beakers and burners occupied most of the surface of her desk, which was just as well, considering the stains that got left on it during her first potion meltdown. And so everything else is the same. There's the wall of, of shelves. There's the circle, a ring of circle in the floor. And then there is the table of Little Chicago. And the model would let me use my magic in, a new, in new and interesting ways and should enable me to find out a lot more about Grey Cloak than I would have been able to do in the past. Or it might blow up, you know, <laughs> one of the two. And so he he talks about how much work he's done putting it into, putting it to the work. And he Wakes Bob up, and this is one of my favorite interactions that just made me giggle. He says, what's up, boss? Evil's afoot. Well, sure, because it, because it refuses to learn the metric system. Otherwise, it'd be up to a meter by now. <laughs> and then Bob is, I'm excited. I get to meet Cookie right now. Meet the Cookie right now. She is not a cookie. Neither is she a biscuit, a Pop-Tart, a Sweet Tart, an Apple Tart, or any other kind of pastry. She is my apprentice. Whatever. I get to meet her now? No. Oh, why not? Because she still hasn't got a very good idea of how to handle power wisely. I could, yeah, she could do a lot more if I was helping. Exactly. You're under the radar until I say otherwise. Do not draw attention to yourself. Do not reveal any of your nature to her. When Molly's around, you're an inanimate knick-knack until I say otherwise. 
And then Bob says at this rate, I'm never going to see her naked in time before she starts to droop. And Harry says, I'm almost certain you'll survive the trauma. Life is more about than life is about more than just survival, Harry. True. There's also work. And he tells Bob about the odd thing that happened tonight. He says, What do you know about temple dogs? More than you, but not much. Most of what I got is collected hearsay and for and folklore. Any of it true? A bit. There are a few points of conf confluence. There are a few points of confluence where multiple sources agree. Hit me. Well, they're not entirely mortal. They're the scions of a celestial being called a foo dog and a mortal canine. They're very intelligent, very loyal, tough, and can seriously kick ass if they need to. But mostly, they're sentinels. They keep an eye out for dark spirits or dark energy, guard the people or places they're supposed to guard, and alert others to, their pre to the presence of danger. Explains a lot why, explains why ancient Mai made those temple dog statues to assist the wardens in maintaining security, I suppose. What about the barking thing? Their bark has some kind of spiritual power. A lot of stories say they can, be, they can make themselves be heard from 50 or 60 miles away. It isn't just a physical thing either. It carries over into the never-never, can be heard clearly by non-corporeal entities. It startles them, drives most of them away. And if any of them stick around, Mouse could take his teeth to them even though they're spirits. I figure that this alarm clock bark he did is just part of that protective power, alerting others to danger. Superdog, but not bulletproof. They can be killed just like anything else. Mouse is a superdog, and Mouse can scare ghosts, and I appreciate that. <coughs> One of those things we, all, we always knew. Yes. We all, but now we get confirmation he's a superdog, too. Yeah. But I'm shh. Okay, so he has Bob check the status of Little Chicago to make sure, you know, it won't kill him or anything. And he says, check it out while I get my spell face on. And we learn a little bit about Harry's progress as a wizard from when he's, since he's, since he has been training Molly. And we learn that he's gotten better at it. And he, it only takes him 10 or 12 minutes to get into his, to prepare his thoughts and will and get into his spell zone. And Bob says, everything's nominal. We're in the green, Captain. And then Harry says, I drew in my will and the skull's eyelights dwindled to the size of pinpricks. So did all the candles. Newborn black shadows began stretching between the pewter buildings overlaying the model streets. The temperature in the lab dropped another degree or two as I pulled in energy from all around me and my skin flushed as my body temperature went up a couple of degrees. When I slowly exhaled, my heated breath formed vapor that drifted around my nose and mouth. He puts the piece of paint from the matchbox onto the model of his apartment building, and he releases his will into it with a murmur of Reparios Invenios, and he then becomes a miniature. He is standing in the middle of life of little Chicago. Beetlejuice again. Beetlejuice, yeah. And everything around him is sort of ghost images of what's actually happening on in the city right now. And he can look up and see himself standing over the table. And he touches the butt flick of paint and it streaks off. You may get a Chicago's mind. The spell comes to a rest a block and a half south of a park. And this park is in a nice little area and he sees the green car. He can't see the driver. The ghost image remains hazy because his magic latched, on, latched onto the car and not the person. The car stopped a stone's throw from the park. 
It's a bifurcated little place, simultaneously trying to contain a designer garden and a children's playground. And every time I look at it, it seemed to me that the kids were winning. Good for them. And so he focuses on his spell, shuts out all of the other sounds, and then the passenger door of the green car opens, and another person steps into the car and sits down. Are you insane? The passenger asks, meeting here. What's wrong with here? Gray Cloak asks. It's a bloody upper-class wasp neighborhood. There's private security here. Police. If anyone raises any kind of alarm, it's going to attract a great deal of attention. Which is why we are safe. It's late at night. All the little deers are sleeping the sleep of the fat and happy. No one is awake to see us here. The other said something rude and then lit a cigarette. Well, no. No? No kind? No wizard? What do you mean, no? Both. You told me he was afraid of fire. He is. You should see his fucking hand. At that, Harry pops the knuckles in his left hand, and Greycloak hears something. What? The passenger asked. Did you hear that? Hear what? Something. You're nervous about him, that's all. You missed him and you're nervous. Not nervous. Understandably cautious. He has more resources and more versatility than your people realize. It's quite possible that he's keeping track of me in some way. I doubt that. It would take a subtle worker of the art to manage that. He isn't one. No. He managed to sense the fire before it could cut him off to somehow waken the entire building from sound sleep all at the same time and to track me after I departed. You came here with him behind you? No. I lost him before he could do so. But that does not preclude the use of more subtle means to engage in pursuit. He's a thug, plain and simple. His talents make him good at destruction and little else. He's a beast to be prodded. It amazes me that an idiot such as you survived crossing the wizard once. So we have a bit of information. The passenger has crossed Harry at some point. And he said, he, but the great cloak was also more aware of his surroundings than anyone running on five simple senses should be. And he was a thinker. That's never a good quality to have in an enemy. But we already know he's superhuman in some way or supernatural because he could jump off that building. And now we know he can hear almost the, the cracks in the spirit realm. Because if you think about it, Harry's kind of a ghost right now. To be, and the passenger says, to be honest, I'm surprised the wizard lived the night. It doesn't matter either way. If we'd killed him, we could have claimed credit for his demise and it would have served our purpose. Now we let him rampage over the Slavis until it does nothing but help. Unless he, he happens to rampage over us as well. At least one thing is accomplished. He's interested in stopping the culling. So we've got a little bit of information. The culling. So the killing of these baby witches is a culling of some sort. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You've got his attention. The question, of course, is whether or not he will be as cooperative as you seem to believe. A gathering of female wizardlings at risk? Oh, yes. He won't be able to help himself. Now that he, now that he knows what the Skavis is up to, Dresden will be falling all over himself to protect them. Aha. The Skavis. And they were maneuvering to kick his ass. Maneuvering me to kick his ass. Finally, something useful. And the Grey Cloak asks if they, if the Scabus is going to strike soon. And the passenger says it's not his style. He'll wait a time or a day or two before moving again. He wants them to suffer waiting for him. So obviously the passenger has an in with the Scabus. I normally think of the Scabus' taste repulsive. But in this particular instance, I suspect he might intersect with mine. Anticipation makes them taste sweeter. So is 
this guy a vampire who drinks blood? Is he some sort of white cord? Is he red cord? What the fuck is he? Oh, of course, by all means, throw away everything we might achieve in order to indulge your sweet tooth. Alas, not yet. I hardly think the circle would react well to such a course. Speaking of which, how does your own endeavor fare? Lesson well, he isn't talking to me. Ah, so the passenger's holding on to somebody. Did you really expect him to? He is family, but that's of no matter. Or I'll find them in time, whether he cooperates or not. For your sake, I hope so. The circle has asked me for a progress report. Have they? What are you going to tell them? The truth. You can't be serious. On the contrary. They react badly. They react badly to incompetence and murderously to deception. No help for it, then. They're hard but fair. They're hard. <laughs> if necessary, we can remove him. We have the resources for it. I could always... I believe it's premature, unless he proves more threatening than he has be been thus far. I expect the circle would agree. And the pastor asks when he's going to meet the circle. And the gray cloak is a liaison. And he says, but should this project proceed, I suspect they will desire an interview. So these are two separate factions that we're dealing with here. We have the passenger who is in with the Scavis and Grey Cloak who is in with the Circle. Then the, the passenger gets out and walks away. And Grey Cloak gets out and walks the opposite direction. So at this point, Harry's kind of torn. Who does he follow? Does he follow Grey Cloak? Does he call, follow the passenger? But he does say that the passenger he's matched wits with and can match wits with again. So he's not worried about that. What he's more worried about is Grey Cloak and the Circle. Could this be the reality of my heretofore theoretical black council? And so Harry decides to go after the gray cloak. He walks several blocks and they, they go down into this alley and down a flight of stairs and approach a boarded over door that appeared to have previously been a basement apartment. Harry follows, saying to hell with the fact that this could have a threshold or wards that could hurt him or kill him. But he says, you don't do a job like mine by running away at any hint of danger. I sealed myself and willed myself forward, following the gray cloak. So I play poker and golf mediocrely on the poker front. Yeah, uh -huh. fine, but not massive. Golf, I'm bad at. But the same thing as what Harry's experiencing here is he knew it was a bad idea to chase somebody headlong into unknown circumstances. Uh -huh. But it worked out. Yeah. I know it's a bad idea to make a big bluff here. But it worked out. I really should be safe and lay up here, but I'm going to go for the green. And because it works out once in a while. You're going to do, do it again. You do it and you get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so that reminded me of. However, again, he, he does get a little bit lucky here. There's no thresholds, no wards. He went into Undertown. Right, right. We've, we've seen and been here before. I wonder, I've never really looked into how much of this is realistic. We do know that Chicago has burned down it's sinking it's you know it's hasn't been by all accounts they've had some bad luck in the windy city but so there are these well you know seattle has an undertown too oh yeah i know there's a section of the city that i I've... yeah mom and i went on a tour when we were there oh yeah what are they like what is it old city is it like yeah tunnels or... it's basically old city because uh, the city sank and mm -hmm. what they did was they built on top they built basically just built above because, you know, the wooden roads and they just kind of build up. 
it's pretty creepy but it's also kind of cool because of course we did that <laughs> i love weird shit like that yeah i love that you go to somewhere you've never been and like did you go to the pike's market you're like the, the see the needle like no we went underground <laughs> yeah we went underground uh-huh. and i know you very well but i also know that there's not a single person listening to this podcast who is surprised by that either <laughs> i know that's just Part you know. of your, no, that's why we love you and uh-huh. i talked my mother into doing these things with me <laughs> i had to it, it, like i said it's, it's raining real hard and down southward in san diego and there's a there's a pool in the backyard of my mother, mother's house and i was in charge of it i have like you know I would drain it when it got too high whatever you know, i had a pump and stuff that i left set up such that a 72 year almost 73 year old woman could relatively easy set up the drainage and she still scolded me the whole time oh terribly but i had to walk her through getting a pump into the pool mm-hmm. and walking it out and she bitched about it, but she hustles as long as yeah. Uh, she can make it happen. Just, I don't, it's not surprising that she would go on these adventures either. I mean, you know, we do shit on our own. We do it. Goodness gracious. I can talk her into this stuff too. It's great. And most of your conversations are with dead people. So yeah, it's actually true. impressive that like, you keep it up so well. That's actually, this podcast is for your, just to keep the voice <laughs> box going. Um, I do talk to dead people though. He talks a little bit about you know, the history of Undertown and stuff. Uh, we've, we've kind of tr- uh, trod that ground before. He doesn't, however, have an accurate model of Undertown in Little Chicago, right? Because Little Chicago, for it to work, it's thaumatur- thaumaturgy. So it has to be connected. So on each mm-hmm. building and tree and everything in Little Chicago, he has a, a small piece of the real thing. Just a chip mm-hmm. and a paint or you know, a little bit of bark or something. He obviously hasn't mapped out all of Undertown yet, um, or sounds like much of it at all. So he's going not only he doesn't want to die. (laughs) Sure. But if he had done it under good circumstances, he doesn't have to take this risk here. Um, Very true. But like, I like that you you said that same thing that he says, right? Like taking, like making, taking samples of it, making it happen in Undertown would have been suicide. But like, definitionally, it's a better idea than just, following going, a bad guy. going in blind right like calling crazy okay crazy but unfair i'm gonna call worse things by better people <laughs> <laughs> oh one of my favorite responses because i have what's not many better people certainly worse thing. i'm called worse things today i think but i digress so great cloak is doing you know is, is going through some creepy ass places creepy places i think of like sky spy stuff i don't know sneak sneaky creepy places you know moving boxes and grates and stuff trying to be, stay sneaky he's taking a very indirect path yeah because he doesn't want to be followed right yeah and he recognizes it and mentions it later that he's positive he wasn't followed corporeally physically in the flesh so he's in this weird misty spooky way right now right so when he's in little chicago it's obvious he's not in He's in Little Chicago, right? It looks a little bit different. But because this isn't mapped out, it is even more of a spooky. Again, just that cinematic. It'd be a really cool scene. It'd be expensive, but it'd be really cool to see. I don't know if we could get the budget for this one. Although by book, by movie nine, I feel like um, <laughs> we would have earned it. But again, just I like visualizing these things. And I yeah. really, I mean, I always do that somewhat when I'm reading books. But now I don't think of it as what it looks like because of the way you've described how you, how you take in these novels. Oh, <laughs> 
I've I've now thought about it cinematically. Mm-hmm. In a just a, like I don't know if that makes sense, but visualizing the scenes in a different way, like how yeah. it would look on screen, is instead of how it would look like if I was there, you know, like reading yeah. the book. And I actually really, I think I like it better your 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 way, or the way that I took from you, or at least projected onto you, because like <laughs> that's what I want to see. I want to see this shit. You know, James Marsters is gonna have to is gonna be too old to be anybody but voicing Bob. But if he doesn't voice Bob, I we riot. Um, <laughs> Danny DeVito is too, too. Oh, 100%. Oh, do. So it's it's spookier than usual. Just a cool scene where one of the now three bad guys walks in and it's somebody that we know there's a bad guy that has seen Harry before, the passenger. And now we see someone that Harry's recognized. Although he's never seen his face, he deduces that Darth bathrobe here. I love that. In ring rate attire. The, mix, the mixing of... Uh, references is great is Cowell, who was one of the spook the most powerful and scariest bad guys we saw before we realized he could survive the shit show that happened at the dark hall mm-hmm. like he was scary as fuck before that and now somehow he survived that ridiculous cyclone of power and ex- like the, the when that spell backlashed like it was like real serious damage over a large area and Cal just shrugged it off, I guess somehow. So again, just like by the things that they're not really, even like the little breadcrumbs we get, we can really expound on, you know, like I said, the the distrust, but yeah, in this case, the same thing, like how powerful Cal is and we don't need any exposition on it. Right. Again, this novel is like, I'm like astounded by how well written this novel is, Mm -hmm. which is funny because I, you know, I try, I try not to, to you know, but I, I didn't love this one as much as some of the other ones around it mm-hmm. in, my, in my brain. But the writing itself is incredible. It definitely. Yeah. Like, so the best I've seen, I've, I've thought so far, which makes sense. But it's just stuff like that. where like two, three novels ago. We would have gotten like, wow, how powerful is Cal if he can serve, right? And he does kind of, but the stuff that we learn, he doesn't have to say. He just shows us, right? Show, don't tell. I love yeah. it. Well, he um, also he also appreciates that we have prior knowledge. Yeah, trusting your your readers or you know trusting your audience is super important. So this also ups the danger level of this case, right? We knew people yes. were dying, obviously, but it was sneakily picking off, you know, women who lived on their own, like, on, or you peeled them off of a group, right? So they were dangerous, but they were predators in like. That's how predators work. And they were really, a sting and, predator rather than a predator out and like. Yeah, they weren't going to go out and like Harry was going to beat them. He just needed to get in a fight with them, right? But this changes that equation because Cowell is more powerful than Harry. Um, and Harry and rec- terrifyingly so. Yeah, and we've this is you know second time we've seen him, and we haven't. Harry hasn't even gotten gotten close enough to see his face, right? Yeah, which is I think kind of lame. Yeah, it's a, Star Wars did the same thing. It's 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 one of those tropes that works. But like, I don't know. Have you ever seen someone in, in a hood that you couldn't see their face? Like, I I can't even picture it. Really hung out with people who wear cowls, so oh, I don't know. Girl, you got to get after it. Apparently, I got to get out more. Huge cowl scene up in the the uh, South Bay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it obviously, Gray Cloak is reporting to Cowl and refers to him as my lord. Again, interesting. Cowl tells him he's you have failed. I have not yet seen it. The curtain is not falling. I love that response. And that's because, again, I have a coach, and that's very important. Like, you, you, you'll 
you win or you learn. He hasn't failed. He hasn't won yet. He's going to get there. I love that. But he's reporting back to his Lord. And he refers to the passenger that we met earlier in this chunk that we just met. He, he refers to him as the fool with you. The, the, and Greg Cloca agrees. He says, he's still ignorant, my Lord. I can, I can preserve. He's still ignorant, my Lord. I can preserve or dispose of him as you see fit. Like, I'm, you did his voice as like very different than me. Not, I, I, whatever. It says he was Eastern European, so that's why he got the... Uh... I was just to use the bitch. Oh. <laughs> this guy. Uh, um, but Passenger is the one who got the wizard involved. Again, and it says there's a vendetta between them. But again, how, how smart, powerful, you know, Cowell says, knows that it's Dresden right away. Again, they probably figured this out, but like, so we know why those messages were left at the scene of the crime uh-huh. to alert Harry. And we know who, well, we know the character that did it was Passenger. We don't know who that pass, who it is yet. So we're finally getting some answers in this chunk. Um, mm-hmm. I think I said there's more questions, but we, we, we get like hints at answers, right? So yeah. the little breadcrumbs that like keep us coming. But uh, he, again, references the culling. The attempt to kill Anna was the last of the culling, mm-hmm. which, which is terrifying. Yeah. And it's, we're going to obviously talk about that when we get into, what do you call that section? Analysis. But that's an interesting term to use, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he catches it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a genocide term. Yeah, that's what I want to talk. Let's 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 get into that. Yeah. Um, as we get through, but he found he as soon as Cowell realizes that Dresden was there to to save the day at the apartment complex, immediately this changes matters. What, pre- what pre- this changes matters? What precautions have you taken? And Cowell immediately knows that something's up, and not only that, he immediately figures it out, and he looks and he looks Harry in the eye. Harry, who's invisible. By yeah, uh, he looks he looks him in the eye, and it's a physical blow, swift stab in the chest, which is his will. And we we learn how will is what drives magic, and the more powerful and more and older you are, usually you get more will, and you can wield it as a weapon. And again, just by looking at Harry immediately, a swift jab in the chest, and Harry's not there. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, just power levels. This is asymmetrical here. He's there. You. And he gets lifts his hands, presumably, to do some badass bad guy stuff and refers to Harry as an insolent child, to which Harry says, bring it, Darth Bathrobe. <laughs> it's just, he calls him a child and he gives him a childish nickname. It's great. Sure, I am who you say I am. I'm also still going to win. Um, but he doesn't in this case. I do like the energy, though. Yeah, Powell okay. screams at him and blasts him. In the last second before he was banished, he used all his strength to get a quick look at Grey Cloak's face. And he got it for the barest instant. A man in his mid-30s, tall, lean, and wolfish. Which, if that's what you used your last you know, bit of energy on here, it clearly wasn't a worth, wasn't a good value. But there's a geyser of scarlet pain, as if Ow. someone had seized both halves of my skull and torn it into two pieces. That's what a migrant feels like. Yeah, I was just going to say, sounds like Lissy. <laughs> Darkness followed. Oof, 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 oof. Harry wakes up to someone shaking his shoulder and someone else holding the back of my, his head against a running bandsaw. So we've got a little bit of head trauma here. And we learn that it's Molly. And, hey, boss, can you hear me? Ow, I said. What happened? Ow, I repeated, annoyed as a 
it should have been explanation enough. And he asks for aspirin and some water and for her to stop screaming. I'm barely whispering. And he says, Bob, what happened? I'm not sure. Either she's been working out or she started using some kind of cosmetics on her arms. She still has had some baby fat when she got the tattoos. And that's always bound to make any kind of changes more noticeable. And not her. Me. Oh, something hit the model. Hard. There was an energy surge. Boom. The psychic backlash lit up your mental fuse box. How bad? How hard to say. How many fingers am I holding up? How bad is little Chicago, Bob? Oh, you've got to be more specific with this stuff, Harry. Could be worse. A week to fix at most. Everything's too loud and too bright. What happened exactly? You got lucky is what happened. Is what? Something you met out there threw a big blast of psychic energy at you, but it had to come at you through your threshold and the model. The threshold weakened it, and little Chicago shorted out when the blast hit, or, or what? Or you wouldn't have had that headache. (laughs) Molly comes back down, and she has lit some candles, and she's makes him his head hurt even more which i i understand he takes some aspirin and he says he's exhausted from this monumental effort i lay on the floor and felt somewhat sorry for myself until after several more mercilessly regular minutes the painkiller started kicking in so apparently sergeant murphy called molly's house looking for him and said he wasn't answering the phone so she he molly thought she should come over to check on harry and we learned she didn't have any trouble getting to the word wards and mouse is awake now Molly takes him out. Harry gets up and looks at looks at little Chicago. There was a hole melted in the metal table, not far from the spot where Grey Cloak had entered under town. One of the buildings was half slagged with pewter melt, melted into a messy runnel that coursed down the hole in the table like dribbled wax. There was a layer of soot over everything within several inches of the hole in the table. Yikes. If the table hadn't taken the magical blow, it would have been my head with the hole burned in it. That had been part of the purpose in creating Little Chicago, as a tool and a safety measure for working that kind of magic. All the same, it was a sobering thing to see. And so he, Cowell, he was working with the Circle, who were almost certainly the Black Council, and there was some kind of larger mischief afoot in Chicago than Harry had suspected. And he tells Molly, don't fuck with the table. Mm. I mean, that's reasonable. She said, got it. And you also have to tell her, and then, like, still probably make sure, watch her to make sure. Yeah, uh, exactly. And uh, he says, she, Molly asked, do you need me to help you today? Like, go with you and stuff? I looked at her, then at the table, then back at her. Just asking. <laughs> so Murphy arrives, and she asks, what the hell happened to you? I took a psychic headbutt from Cal. What's a Cal? Right. Forgot. When, I'm, when I met Cal, you were in Hawaii with your boy toy. Murphy gave me a smug smile. A smug smile. Kincaid isn't a boy toy. He's a man toy. Definitely a man toy. And Molly, who's supposed to be reading, drops her book on her head, which is hilarious. She's <laughs> that, whole exchange, that whole exchange is great. It's fantastic. And Molly is a nosy teenager. Long story short, Cal is a wizard. Human? Pretty sure, but I've never seen his face. All I know about him is that he's stronger than me. He's better than me. I stood up to him in a fair fight and got lucky enough to survive it. Then how'd you beat him? I stopped fighting fair and bumped his elbow while he was handling supernatural high explosives. Boom. I figured he was dead. Okay. Better give me the whole thing. And he gives Murphy a rundown. And Scavis. I've heard that somewhere before. It's one of the greater houses of the White Court. 
Wraith, Scabus, and Malvora are the big three. Right. Psychic vampires. Wraith, feed on lust. Malvora, on fear. How about these Scavis? Pain. Or despair, depending on how you translate some of the text the council has on them. And suicide is the ultimate expression of despair. With a mind like that, you could be a detective. <laughs> Let me see if we... That joke, like, they make that joke every novel. And I, mean, I love it. I still love it every time. <laughs> They'll detect something uh-huh. dumb, yeah. Oh, I always say, it's like I'm an investigator or something. Oh. Um, <laughs> nobody ever laughs at that joke. Like, I, I, yeah. I, when we, we do, like, skills, and then at the end, we'll do, like, the in-game, like, like when you tact- technical how to do uh-huh. it and then a tactical application of it uh-huh. and like every practice this is how we do it and it always i have to stop them and be like remember the thing we just did for 45 minutes that's what you do here <laughs> it's almost like there's a plan oh i love it and she's let me see if i've got this right according to your ex the private investigator on ash hired he's killed women in four other cities and he's doing it again here four so far and anna's meant to be five yeah Meanwhile, this gray cloak who works for Cole is in the town doing more or less the same thing, but you don't think he's here to help the scabies, whoever he is. But you do think he's working against the killer along with this passenger, whomever he is. You think those two things, you think those two left the clues you found in the bodies to pull you into this investigation and take up the scabies out. Even better, I think I know who the passenger was. Who? Beckett. It makes sense. And he, he goes into why it makes sense and that's who Grey Cloak the Malvora was talking to. Whoa, Grey Cloak the Malvora? How'd you get that? Because he talked about sharing some taste with the Scavis when it came to letting the prey anticipate what was coming before the kill. The Malvora do it so that their prey will feel far feel more fear. The Scavis do it so that they'll be more tired, be more ready to give in to despair. And the White Court loves manipulating everything indirectly, using others to do their dirty work for them. I'm writing a note. And so he says he's fairly confident that the passenger was Beckett. And Murphy said, that's a sound theory. But Beckett died in prison seven years ago. He's like, I hate it when real world ignores a perfectly logical, rational assumption. And, you know, he was like, he faked it. She's like, I actually looked into it, talked to everybody. He's dead, Harry. Well, damn it. He made sense. That's life, Murphy said. So this hidey hold you found, long gone by now, might be worth going anyway if you take crypto here with you. And she gives Mouse a kiss on the top of his head. My dog gets more play than me. Sheesh. Maybe Great Cloak, the theoretical Malvora, left a good scent behind. Worth a shot, I guess. But I'm pretty sure he's going to be thorough enough to remove that. And he explains to Murphy that the vampires track using scent. Just like Mouse. Oh, right. Another burned building. Not, not his fault, Molly said. Not your fault. I know. But it's going to look awfully odd. My car gets firebombed. A building less than a block away gets firebombed a few hours later. Same device? What do you think? same device i'm sure it will be it's going to take them time to figure it out though were you seen mean about a million other people that's something at least but a lot of people are going to be asking questions before long the sooner we put this to bed the better i shouldn't have gone for the subtle maneuver last night i should have smashed him to pace right there i don't have any way to find him now and he's aware that we're looking yeah but great cloak isn't our first problem he's a sideshow the scavis is the real killer right yeah right We've got no clue who or where he is. But he's a vampire, right? I mean, you can tell if someone's a vampire, can't you? It isn't so simple with the white court. They hide themselves a lot better than any other breed. I had no idea what Thomas was when I met him. And you remember talking to Darby Crane? Yeah. Did you get vampire off of him? Mostly I got player. But you knew he was really a magical wraith. A guest. 
probably because I unconsciously recognized a family resemblance to Lord Wraith. That's why I stopped you from touching him. There was no magical tip-off about it. And he talks about how when an area Wraith tried to feed on him, and he knew who she was, he knew what he was, it never occurred to him that she might be dangerous until it was too late. Just like that never occurred to me about Crane. So the Scavis, he could be anyone. I'm pretty sure he's not me. I'm almost as sure he's not you. Are you sure you're a professional investigator? I sometimes wonder. What about Thomas? He's more of a hired thug than a Seamus. Murphy glared. I left messages. Nothing yet. That's not what I meant either. Could he still be involved? Could he have been the passenger? He wasn't. Harry, is it possible? Look, we know the killer is a scavis. We know what Greycloak thinks, but you're forgetting something. What? That at least one of these women was killed in the throes of supernatural passion. Not amidst fear. Not amidst despair. Is it physically possible, Harry? Possible, that's all I'm asking. I suppose. But Thomas isn't Greycloak's partner. What if... What if your passenger has him? What if the endeavor he's talking about is pressing Thomas for some kind of information? Thomas should have gotten in touch by now. We've got a little time. Greycloak thought it would be another day or so before the Scavis moved again, right? So far, you think he's been smart about most things. Maybe he's been smart about that, too. We can hope. What did you find about Jessica Blanche? Still working on it. I've got feelers out, but I'll need to follow up with some legwork. And he talks about how he needs to get in, con in touch with Elaine in the Ordo, see if he can get Helen Beckett to talk, and make calls to other wardens. Maybe someone's heard something about recent white court activities. Sounds like we have a plan. If we repeat it often enough, maybe we'll even believe it. I said, let's go. So Harry calls everyone's favorite regional commander of the Western United States of the wardens of the White Council, Carlos Ramirez. Uh, always good to see Los in the mix. He, his family, I guess, runs a restaurant in East L.A. Which I love. I love that part of his story. Yeah. Some bomb-ass food, I'm sure. Um, I found one burrito up here that was fine, which is like the highest compliment I've ever given a burrito north of, like, South Santa Barbara. 100%. <laughs> it's, it, the Mexican food ain't that great up here either. The, the it's, really, burritos, it's really traumatic. They put lettuce in their burritos, Liz. That's all you got to know about North. Mm. So he calls, he got, leaves a message at the restaurant. Ten minutes later, he calls him back. And Harry catches him up in typical Harry, in typical Harry fashion. So not really gives him enough to help him to get to extract help from his friend, but not enough to be honest or clear with him. They talk about Elaine and Ramirez does his, I'm so suave, Chad, Chad combo. But he asks about Elaine like he's never met her before, because we know he has to do that with the White Council. And he fills us in. I wonder how much of what, her backstory is true because she was living with the summer you know she's protected by the summer court we found out in summer night but mm -hmm. maybe she did go to college in san diego recently she's been working for an investigative agency to get her license she's got a decent grounding in thaumaturgy from somewhere that somewhere is harry which yeah. i love because <laughs> harry's the good thaumaturgy it's, yeah i love that line um mm -hmm. and that was what i didn't catch until this you know this week i did get on my first read through this week but never before in the dozen or so. That's just, I like, I like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just a throwaway line to kind of remind us of the grand stakes out there where, you know, he says she didn't quite, he tested her, but she didn't run quite, but she didn't score quite high enough to, she didn't score quite high enough to be considered for council membership unless we keep losing people to events, in which case I guess we might lower our standards, which is sad. Yeah. Um, and Harry 
isn't doing a whole lot of wardening, we know, because he's he's doing some, because we hear about New Mexico again, but he's we think he stays more in his territory, right? Ward Ramirez gets after, right? He goes in battles. So like mm-hmm. he's seen a lot of his friends die, his colleagues at least die up close, right? Because he's been in the in the mix on these these fights. So mm-hmm. like that's really sad. You know, he, the, the people we keep losing to Harry are nameless, faceless members of the White Council. Yeah. White, White Council. To, to Los, those are like buddies. Or at least people he's worked with. Closely. But knowing, knowing him and like, he was definitely like this with the, with the wardens kind of as they grew up. So mm-hmm. you know, they, they were at these boot camp stuff, right? You know, those kind of things. So like, he definitely like at least knew them well. Right, yeah. a lot of these these wardens, and it's like th- those kinds. Like, there's some PTSD shit that we got to worry about. Los, like moving forward here as well. Oh, definitely. Um, he, he Ramirez tells him that he hinted that she might want to advertise as something other than a wizard, because <laughs> it is a title that you earn. Keep it a, a lowercase w, I'd say, and roll with it, lady. He mentioned they reference dinosaurs, and Ramirez says that one gave him a ride next to this big skinny lunatic, which is fair, and he you know, says. Mallory, Elaine Mallory is not stupid. She's done, she's done people some good out here. Lost kids, especially. So there you go. A couple of notches in the good column for Elaine, which, of mm-hmm. which I had none before. That. <laughs> like, I actually think she's been kind of shady, even in this novel. Yeah, but, I just don't trust her. Yeah, I mean, he does have one reservation about her, though. What's that? I wish there was a, a, a pause. He says, her taste in men. I keep asking her out. And she turned me down about a dozen times. How much better would this line have been if he said her taste in men and then paused? <laughs> I, every time I did the read through and like that would that, been was, a, that would be a great line read for sure. Right. I just like that's the one. It's like my first I'm saying the mistake, but just the, the one thing that I think like he missed. Butcher missed that because I would have given just like just a moment, but it would have thrown some emotion in there. I don't know. Maybe that's just schlocky. But I, every time I, I read, read it, this, you know, three, two or three, two and a half times this week. I, uh, I really, every, that. I like just every time I thought of it, like, how does Harry not like, he gets, he sweats for a second at least, right? That he's talking about him, but she turns him down. Makes me wonder how smart she could really be. <laughs> um, and so Harry catches him up on the case. And like you said, the wardens haven't been told because everyone's afraid to tell them. He's at five cities, bastards, multiple cities in Ramirez's territory, right? So, yeah. um, Seattle and San Jose. So the wardens really are completely, unaware of what's going on so it, it like a lot of harry's cases they you know they seem really small but there are bigger aspirations here and also that like we said that word culling suggests something major afoot here yeah we learned that there's the reds and the whites have a little bit of tension right now always because they're power hungry monsters but literally the white king who is not acting on his own accord as we know it's that's lara mm-hmm. has offered a truce and and trying to have a, a ceasefire in the war, he wants to negotiate an end. And, you know, again, just adding layers to this, right? Why, why does Laura want that? And it sounds like, you know, other people in the white court don't want that. So it's factional. There's three major houses. We already mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just being caught, being arbitrarily contrary, which is a great phrase, is a, could be the reason why the other houses are pushing against the peace, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Carlos then gets, you know, his voice turns sober and says, I've been meaning to call you. Just wanted to see how you're doing you know, since to Mexico, which is another reference to this event. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, one of his, not great friend, not best buds or anything. Like this is a friend though, who clearly- A friend from work? 
a friend from work. Yeah, his, his work husband. And he's real worried about Dresden here, clearly. Yeah. Right? With good reason. Sure. But I just, it, it just adds to the like suspense of this what happened in New Mexico. Yeah. Forget New Mexico. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, I, I just like that line. That line isn't to Carlos. Uh, that's just taunting you right there. I, <laughs> he offers to come out and, and do some backup and a joke about butts. And Molly wonders about why Harry phrased the questions about Elaine that way. And because Sergeant Murphy said she was your ex, but you asked about her, but you, but you asked about her as if you didn't know her. And, you know, she references the, she, you know, she, she straight says, like, she's under the doom of Damocles. We're both going to die. Like, why are you lying to these guys? And it's, he, he does explain why, but it's also like, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for her, right? Like, yeah. He can't really be straightforward with him because that puts Elaine in jeopardy and lying to him puts him, him and him and Molly, but specifically him in danger. And he's going to choose putting himself in danger every time. So uh, every time, every single without time. a doubt, which in this case, I, I actually agree. That's the right thing to do. He told, he told Elaine, he wasn't going to go to the white council about it. Yeah. And you know, he doesn't. So he, he'd rather put himself in danger there. So I, I actually, you see some of like his chivalrous stuff. This is the good guy when he yeah. talks about who he wants to be and who he sees himself as. That, that's a good one, I feel like. Um, I agree. But it's all, it's very much like when he didn't tell Michael about charity's magic. Sometimes you can't tell everybody everything. Yeah. And it, this is different than what I referenced earlier, how he doesn't, I mean, I, I joked about it, how he, in the older books, he would just keep secrets and keep everything real close to the chest. And that, that's a good idea, obviously. You don't want to put people in danger and some good stuff. But like, this isn't, that isn't, being sneaky or like no holding back it's it's protecting people it's it's you know, strategic but it's like honorable like mm -hmm. you know, i don't know I, I i don't i don't fault him for these at all no i don't he tells molly there <laughs> that line by molly's really good the wardens are a fine bunch of assholes mm -hmm. company excluded mm -hmm. he's gonna drop off he grabs mouse and his keys and he's gonna head to elaine's to talk to the ordo and attack helen beckett because she did crime once let's let's oppress her take away her rights and be a dictator for the rest of her life right right no no how many years she wants to come out with him and help and he says how many beads three minutes and two beads later they head off to drop her off nothing simple and nothing much is easy either be patient give it time just good life advice mm -hmm. but the reason they're in she's in that situation is because because she took shortcuts so i yes um it's harsh harsh but fair the way he's you know and he's not being too much of a dick about it he's like look this is why you can't come and that's okay you'll get your chance to shine baby you're gonna live for 400 years girl relax um <laughs> and you know it's easy for you to say because he gets he gets to go do these fun adventures right because that's what a 19 year old I mean, maybe now maybe a present listener's excluded but like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed like she thinks this is like nothing good and he's like that's not easy to say i'm tired i want to get food but i gotta stop him before he adds another viscavis before he adds another victory yeah it's a different level of importance that he realizes that she doesn't quite realize yet mm -hmm. she thinks it's like a gift and a fun thing and he realizes it's like a responsibility yeah with great power comes great responsibility they i, I love that the uh it is like the common trope in, in the common movies in the popular version is that with great power comes great responsibility but they they got the line right 
in uh in the, the MCU had not Uncle Ben say it, they had sexy young Aunt May say it. But <laughs> um different, but they also got the original had the original line, not the most popular one. There was also Pum in their response. That's all. <laughs> he also says with Great Grout, he t- told that to Fort Hill last week last novel. With with great power, there must also come great responsibility. It's like very simple. The difference to great power comes great responsibility. But like she she said the original one. Mm-hmm. They're like, there must also come. Oh, just nerding out. Sorry. It's all good. Why why do these take six hours to record? Gosh, I don't know. Could be anything. <laughs> all right. Chapter 18. We are at the Amber Inn in downtown Chicago which is where Anna, Ash, and Elaine are staying. And he doesn't ask after her at the desk. He just tells Mouth, find Mouse to find him. And so he shows up, and there is some sort of magic. There was a ward over the door. It wasn't terribly fancy or solid. It couldn't be without a threshold to use as a foundation. But it was exceedingly well-crafted, and I was sure it was Elaine's. The spell looked like it would release only a tiny bit of energy, probably a pulse of light or some kind of audible sound that would alert her to company. And he, rather than playing Big Bad Wolf, he knocks. And he senses someone on the other side of the door, not by magic, just a sudden absence of the simple solitary feel one gets when standing alone in an empty house. Then the door rattled and swung open, revealing Lane standing on the other side, one corner of her mouth tilted up in amusement so it wasn't a ward she had created a peephole and she she says i thought you were going to call i was in the neighborhood were you which one she says quietly beckett i murmured back she's here we've got abby we've got priscilla we've got anna and we've got helen and helen is standing at the window and he says miss beckett yes mr dresden without turning around what do you know i beg your pardon you know something about this and you aren't talking bill I can't imagine what you mean. Mr. Dresden, surely you aren't accusing Helen of being involved in this business. I'm pretty sure I am. Do they know about the first time we met, Helen? Have you told them? Helen? What is he talking about? Go ahead, Mr. Dresden. I wouldn't dream of cheating you of the satisfaction of looking down at one less righteous than yourself. What is she talking about? Priscilla demanded. She glared at me, probably with her mind already made up as to what she was going to think of me regardless of what I said. It's nice to know some things in life are consistent because Beckett was con- disappointing me here. And so he tells them, that she, he asks them, did any of you know that she was a felon? She hasn't told us that. She was part of a cult headed up by a sorcerer I had to take down several years ago. She participated in ritual magic that created a drug that hurt a lot of people and helped out with other rites that murdered the sorcerer's criminal rivals. But, 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 but that's the first law, Abby stammered. Helen, is that true? Not quite. He didn't mention that the specific rituals used were sexual in nature. Strike that. Depraved and indiscriminately sexual in nature. For God's sake, Helen, why? I had reasons to do so. You've got a record, Mrs. Beckett. You've helped in supernatural murders before. Maybe you're doing it again. And maybe I'm not. Are you? What's the point in answering, Warden? It's obvious that you've already tried and convicted me. If I tell you I am involved, you will believe me guilty. If I tell you I am not involved, you will believe me guilty. The only thing I can do is deny you your precious moral justification. She lifted a hand to her lips and pantomimed turning a key and throwing it away. Silence fell. Anna got up and walked to Beckett. 
Anna put a hand on her shoulder and tugged gently until the other woman turned around. Don't answer. There's no need for it as far as I'm concerned. And I. Of course you weren't involved, Abby said. Beckett turned around and looked at each of them. Her mouth quivered for an instant, and her eyes glistened. She blinked them several times, but a single tear escaped and coursed over her cheek. She nodded to the Ordo once and turned back to the window. Instinct told me that this was not the reaction of a guilty woman, and no one could put on an act. That could. Beckett wasn't involved. I was sure of it. Now. Detectives are supposed to learn things. All I'd done so far was to unlearn them, and the clock kept ticking. Is there anything else? Is there anything else of which you'd like to accuse us? Any other presumptuous bigotry you'd care to share? Look, I'm trying to help you. Oh? Is that why, you, why all these people have been disappearing in the company of a man fitting your description? Not that I expect you to tell us the truth unless it serves whatever purpose you have, you truly have in mind. Angels weep when someone so perceptive and warm-hearting and loving turns cynical. Priscilla. Harry? Elaine sighed beside me. God knows she makes a fine target of herself, but shooting off your mouth isn't helping. I blinked at her a couple of times and then smiled. The communication spell between us was an old one. But once upon a time, we'd used it every day. Basically, they're just talking in their mind. They both hadn't used it since they were 16. And she says, be gentle, Harry. They're hurting. Look around you. Where's the little brunette? Her name was Olivia. Was? When, when we called her last night, she was all right. When we arrived to pick her up, there was no answer at her door and no one in her apartment. Then how do you know? So they got security footage. You can get more with a kind word and well-applied kinetomancy than just with just a kind word. So security guard was a smug little twit. Bruises fade. <laughs> uh -huh. And so she pulls out a couple sheets of grainy images with Olivia. There was a man walking next to her. He looked to be maybe a tiny bit shy of six feet, had dark, glossy, shoulder-length black hair, and was dressed in jeans and a black tee. I could see his profile in one of the pictures. His head turned toward Olivia. It was my brother. It was Thomas. Damn it. Damn it all. So, yeah, again, I, we, it's worked out really well, our, our, uh, six chapter process, this, this novel, ending on a great, great note each time. What'd you think? I know I asked this at the beginning, but now we've kind of gone back through it mm -hmm. a little bit more tightly. Any other, you know, thoughts? Yeah. We had a lot of, of movement in the story this week. Mm -hmm. We really did. Yeah. I, I said at the beginning more questions and answers and like, there were a lot of answers also, but yeah. each, each one to another question, right? Most um, definitely. That's a really good way to put it. Which is like, yeah. Giving with one hand and taking with the other, you know? Uh, oh, a hundred percent. Jim. He does, Bastard. <laughs> does a good job, I'll tell you what. The chase scene, for lack of a better term, was different than what we've seen. It was like a, a cat and mouse kind of, you know, there, there was real danger. He's talking about how bad of an idea it was to be doing this because the guy could just be, you know, leaning into an ambush. Yeah. But there wasn't one, it turned out. So again, he gambled on it not being one. But it was, it was an interesting kind of cat and mouse, right? He led him up the infrastructure. Hmm or, you know, tried to, you know, and Harry kind of thought one step ahead to track him, but they were both thinking while hustling and like, yeah, on the on there's the a lot of contemplative sort of stuff. Yeah. Which they did in real time while sprinting in a dangerous situation, right? It was just cool. Uh, just a cool, different kind of, uh, Harry's always really good thinking because we're inside his brain during fights, mm -hmm. but 
I thought that was kind of a, a different type of chase scene that I thought was, was fun. And your thoughts on, I mean, it was a pretty straightforward chapter, but uh, I mean, I guess the one question is, do you agree with his choice? To... I think that I do, because he got more information from following him and not killing him than he would have otherwise. And while it did set us back in some places, it gave us the information. So now it's forewarned is forearmed. We have a little bit more information and it's we're screwed either way. Let's be honest. Yeah, and I mean, he obviously has suspected every major goings-on in the city, in this series, to be connected to the Black Council. You know, he said that mostly out loud. Mm -hmm. But we basically get confirmation of that. Yeah. Because he risks that, right? Like, it it was a gamble, because it does leave, certainly, Anna and the the large cauldron gals at risk here, Mm -hmm. but... But yeah, no, I it was certainly I think I it was, think right it was also. I think it was a necessary risk though, truthfully. Yeah, it's like cutting a deal with a mid-level drug dealer to get the kingpin. You know, yeah. You, you gotta you gotta break some eggs, Liz, in this business. Sometimes you gotta dance with the devil. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Uh-huh. That's where I was going. What anything else there? Or you wanna hop into Little Chicago was cool. Little Chicago was great. And I came up with a word to describe how he talks about a little uh the under under town oh that that's wait let's go into the car conversation first sorry okay okay so i texted you this while i was reading it and i said could the passenger be justin because it sort of feels like the gimme of it is thomas and i don't feel like what he would know thomas's voice that was the thing too but he did say that it the the sound what did he say the sound of his voice the voices sounded different let me see what he calls it let me see Um, sorry their voices sounded distant, hazy, like a partially obscured radio transmission. Because I thought that too when I was like, he'd recognize Thomas's voice, but it, but if the sound is obscured, he might not. But the thing is, it's just like Thomas is too much of a gimme in this situation, and I just and I know Butcher's not going to make it that easy. That's yeah. kind of that's my philosophy on it. I, I just feel like I would know, like by cadence, by phrasing. Yeah turns a phrase and like by the voice being close enough body type you're like i would know with even spooky smoky world if you were sitting there talking to somebody in the front car and i didn't see your face and the other thing i would know we have no history of thomas smoking and he lights up a cigarette okay yeah i i think this is trying to dispel that but you're trying to be an asshole again well he's trying to have it both ways he does tell us it's not thomas right it's not thomas is not passenger no. Or Greg Cloak, because he saw his face. Yeah. So, but we see he's still involved somehow in the picture. Yeah. So uh, it it just adds, like, like we found out what the intrigue is. There's two kind of competing, Scavis and Passenger are kind of battling over this. And then, so we learned something. And then Thomas is still involved. God damn it. <laughs> you know I mean? like, right? Yeah. It is a little frustrating. Um, but uh, I like Cowl as a bad guy. Um mm-hmm. Oh, that my my word for uh, description, because you were talking about how like because we always talk about the cinematic aspects, da da da. But it would be the I came up with a good word for it. It's ethereal, ethereal, ethereal. I don't know how to pronounce words. It's ethereal. A hundred percent. I learned well, these what? words by when reading. You when you don't read good, you can listen to things. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's ethereal though. Yeah, I like it. Um, great. That's a great word. Um, kind of like a. Uh, unreality, like uh, you know, different, but not spooky is probably not the right way. It is spooky in this case, but ethereal yeah. is a better. I like that phrasing or that description rather. Uh, 
Uh, I love that they mentioned like it's women women in danger. Harry's gonna fuck yes. Which using Harry's using Harry's personality and his you know fight they know his weak point. Yeah, or his certainly his uh, the places you can hit him. His Achilles. Um, yeah, and we've seen that getting him into trouble before. And again, all like, the fucking time, every single time he lets Elaine exist within fifty feet of him <laughs> is an example of that. So we learned from this chapter a lot of things, but that there's three bad guys, at least, the Scavis passenger gray cloak, and we mm-hmm. find a f- fourth in a minute here, and that the passenger has fought Harry before. Yes. Which presumably doesn't narrow it down. It doesn't really, because it's all the books and short stories at this point, though, that there's not that many. And I don't think that would be a plot point if it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, like, Harry presumably does stuff off screen. Yeah. He everybody poops list, but he he wouldn't say that like you know it's from a storytelling perspective if mm-hmm. it wasn't a villain that we've seen before. Yeah, right. So it does narrow it down a little bit more for us than for Harry certainly. Yeah, which is interesting. And then later we see Greycloak. He didn't recognize. So yeah, good stuff. Uh, he heads into Undertown. Anything else before we hop over to the next chapter? Cowl. Yeah, that's the next chapter. Okay. No. Um, no then. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I do have one. Sorry. Okay. Oh, yeah. Before he gets into Little Chicago, that talk with Bob, which mm-hmm. we are going to talk about in a minute, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. A, that mouse can bite ghosts if he wants to and scare And I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're a supernatural fighting wizard investigator. And you or, have a supernatural fighting wizard investigator dog? Like, come on. That's a pretty, use- pretty useful tool. So, And um, he's a good boy. Yeah. It's first first time we met him. After, well, he met him in his siblings in a box but mm-hmm. he was he was standing up as a tiny little thing going after a black court vampire like yeah. um which is awesome i also like the the line about how teaching has helped him learn yes i like that a lot and so he can do everything a little bit fat but you saw it earlier in this novel right where he has he's more organized he's because mm-hmm. you have to be as he has to be sort of coaching necessity water- is the mother of invention yeah well i started coaching water polo my junior year of high school mm-hmm. and i went from like guy that was going to play some minutes on varsity like but exist to four years starting career in college division three it wasn't like a I was never a monster but like a great great goal scorer terrible defender you know my, but um like it's so true when you start teaching things you really get into the small things and you go back and like do things properly and you don't mm-hmm. skip over stuff because you know and it's like you really go like abc instead of just ac get to the end as fast as you can and it mm-hmm. like I like shot up after that in water polo. And this podcast is about me and water polo, as we all know. But I just that line resonated. I really liked it. Yeah. But it no, it it does make a lot of sense because it, it makes you think more thoroughly. It makes you kind of go back and you know, as it's it's remember the basics. Break more things deliberate. down. Yes, deliberate is a very good word for it. It's more deliberate action, more deliberate thought process. And you are you are taking your knowledge but you're also you're also working at why those things why you know those things and that you know i i i mean mine's not as exciting but explaining different things about cases and different things about investigative techniques and things to new people at my job it's like oh shit conscientious it's like that well shit i know what i'm talking about well that's crazy but it very much makes you realize like okay wait i do okay i do know what 
talking about? I yeah, how do you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? I'm a young lad in my early 20s. Exactly. The same, except young lass. <laughs> Turns out. I'm going to sped things up here. But yeah, no, it's, 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 I mean, it's everyone has that experience. It's just, it's, I really like that. And we've seen that already in Harry. Mm-hmm. And I like that we saw it first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps to level him up small ways, but he can do this ritual preparation. Much more quickly. You know, yeah. Last time it was a huge plot point, how long it took, right? Um, yeah. So it moves the story along better. It's great for storytelling. It's also great for, you know, progressing Harry's power levels as we go as well. But I also um, appreciate his awareness of it. Well, it's Bob's awareness in this case, right? Oh, no, he said, yeah, he, said. he talks about it. Yeah. And again, he got it from Murphy. <laughs> so, yeah, we see them kind of like joke and they but they they really have let each other in. Yeah. And we see that in uh, their conversation about the man toy as well. She's saying that to fuck with Harry. It's also oh, 100%. Cow. Cow is he, he definitely ups the stakes. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. So you, you, you text me. I didn't get back to that on that one. But like you mentioned, you thought maybe Pastor was Justin. Yeah, the the way they talk about him in this chapter pretty much proves he's not. Yeah, right. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm saying this knowing he's not, but like this guy is deferential to in a le- level that's crazy to Cowell, yeah. my lord. You know, you know, ooh, ooh, sir, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And then they talk shit on the other guy. Yeah, right. Like, Demore is like a powerful warden. Like, I warlock. But we not he's know a that? warden too. No, I didn't know he was a warden. Oh fuck. Well. Or lock. That's what I said. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but like, he was very powerful, obviously. And like, that's part of why the Doom of Damocles, I feel like we, we know some of this. And maybe I'm, I'm over deeping, but like part of why the Doom of Damocles, like why Harry, why people think he shouldn't have gotten the Doom of Damocles is, you know, the council is against it is there's no fucking way this kid killed Justin DeMorn in a fight. He had to have murdered. Mm. Right? Like, and they kind of get deeper, more, more clear on that. But like, that's part of the lore behind Justin. Okay, so that makes sense. It wouldn't be this like third, you know, or the third on the on the ladder in, in some rinky dink outfit like this, right? Yeah. But it was just kind of like I was trying to think of who it could be because it wasn't Thomas. Thomas doesn't smoke. It just didn't it didn't suit. And also Butcher wouldn't make it like that. And it was somebody that he's he's matched with before who lost. And how many of Harry's competitors have survived? That's the thing. Like, really, going down the list, I mean... Because he, he even has he even has conflict over that when he spoke with Thomas about it, where he's killed people and people die. And he's had that conversation with Murphy as well about how many people he kills in fights and things like that. I'm literally trying to think back. Have any of the main villains survived in this series yet? Cal. Well, we learned Cal has. Yeah, well, we didn't know that until this point. Until just um, now. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, no, I, I like, uh, this is why, I, why I, I make you do crackpot theories. I want you to think, think through these things. I, uh, there are, yeah, there's, um, I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> uh, that would be spoiler. The culling, obviously, huh. is huge. Yeah. Uh, again, that, that isn't a word that you can use very lightly, I don't think. I don't think so either. But um, it's a loaded word. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on, or ideas on that? On the culling? Yeah, what that would be about. I mean, I think, I mean, anyone with magical power weakening the White Council. Yeah, good. That, that's that's the thought. They're definitely, like, I think it's clear that's what it, they're doing, right? Like, yeah, that, I mean, that's they're, they're sowing They're sowing distrust to a level that there's been murders. And there's four here, even if it's, a, say that's, there's, they're going to kill five. Say that's an average. 
murders, you know. Not to mention all the disappearances. Yeah. And the, the, no one's told the warden. No one's yeah. reported it. Yeah. Like, this could be a, this is, this spiral in that chapter, it turned from interesting, but what's the, the deal, small case, to. Holy like, fuckballs. Yeah, stop a calling. That's a big, big, big upgrade on yeah. the level of, of uh, stakes here. Of oh shitness. Yeah, of shitness for Te- sure. Technically speaking. No, shit him here. I also wanted to talk for a second about how Cowell talks about Harry. He's an insolent child. No, he says that to Harry's face. He says it changes matters. What precautions have you taken? Right from this, again, it's, it's the subtext that maybe I'm projecting onto it here in some, some ways, but Greycloak says, I attempted to remove all the last of the culling. And his answer isn't what happened. It's Dresden interfered. Yes, this changes matters, right? Like, what, what, what precautions have you taken, right? Like, he immediately goes from, like, dismissive of this situation, like, fuck you, you failed. Or, you know, the Black Council's probably, or the deep circle is going to smush you to, fuck, stop. And then he, you know, he sees him, and then he talks shit and, and shoots a blast at him. But, mm-hmm. like, this He's isn't... Strong. Yeah, that's that's not the way you react to an a you know a uh, an insolent child. Yeah, an insolent child getting you know getting in the way like a toddler. You got to go pick him up and move him. Like yeah, that that's that reaction right there is like he believes Harry can bring this whole program down. Oh, a hundred percent. He's scared of Harry. I don't know if he's scared of Harry, but he's wary of Harry. That's probably a better word. But he gives Harry credit, and he knows Harry's powerful enough to stop him. Most definitely, because he has before. And then the flip side of that is the next chapter where he, Harry talks about Cowell like he's like some god. Yeah. Right? Like, this, like, Harry never gives himself enough credit. Mm-hmm. And you, you, to find Harry's real power level, y- you kind of have to see what other people are saying. Yeah. And that is a, that's a big compliment for Cowell to react that. Most definitely. And then we see Cowell's blasting a spell through a threshold, kind of mirroring Harry doing the same thing earlier in this novel. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I like those two points, that the way they talk about each other and just this coincidences of a spell going through a threshold and weakening yeah. in power, I, I thought was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked it a lot. I, I mean, it, it, I didn't even think about that com- the comparison, but it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, they're both very powerful and it's the two sides of the spectrum or the two ends of the spectrum. And any cow theory? So Star Wars reference. The Emperor was someone we knew, Senator Palpatine. Phantom Menace, if you will. Yes. And so it's I think it's gonna be along the same kind of lines. Why when Harry was I think he might be part of the White Council. He might be someone that Harry already knows in that regards. And Yeah, you don't hide the the face of a of a major bad guy. Yeah. And then without take reason. It off and have it be someone we've never seen before, right? Exactly. Like, oh. It's Terry from accounting. Like, what? <laughs> exactly. Um, like, this is someone that Harry knows. Yeah. Not like he's seen their face before, I don't think. Like, even if this was like, you know, one of the random Fortier or, um, yeah. you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a random or, you know, the blue, the blue beard guy from the first step. You know, it's not yeah. a random guy on the council either. This is definitely someone we've met before. Yeah. And that Harry is, I think, close or familiar with like yeah oh uh, he is like he has to be for narratively it's the only way it makes sense 100 and, and so it does limit the pool of potential and potential um, bad guys and 
Yeah, but that's why. No, hundred percent. I want I want you to come up to have to think about that and who you think it might be because I have some ideas, but I have more information than you. But I either way. Um, do you not know who Cal actually is? Well, I do because all my theories are correct, but um, no one else does. Uh, me, okay. and, me and Jim. So now, it's he's not been Cal out, did, out did, the stories yet. Correct. Cal is a a major lingering mystery, simmering, simmering. Right? He's not showing up every novel and kicking Harry the balls or anything like that. But yeah, um, yeah. So it, that one is is generates a lot of conversation in the interwebs. Um, I'm sure. So. Hmm. And he's calling an insolent child that got my hackles up a little bit. What? I like the Murphy interaction. You know, she was only in it for a second. But it was mm-hmm. um, just shit talking. I, I, yeah. I mentioned it last time. I don't love how they immediately like zero in on Beckett. But we have no evidence that she's doing anything. We have no yeah. evidence. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a red herring and that's what it's used as. Oh, yeah. But it's like. But the just, thing is, is she's broken the laws of magic before. And I so think is that, Harry. <laughs> yeah. All the time. She does throw in maybe the gray cloak is a Malvora, right? Because he had talked about, they talked mm-hmm. about the different styles of vampires here. So, and that would make sense if there's a Scavis and a Malvora competing. All, there's also got to be a Wraith. There has to be, yeah, because of the what we saw. So, and that's interesting then that it the definitely white... complicates things. And we also learned this this chunk in the next chapter here that that the White King, Lara, is Lara Wraith is pushing for peace. Yeah. Like, so like we get a lot of white court politics and like blasting you in the face here. Uh, yeah. again, without a whole lot. And then we see Thomas at the end. There's just so, a lot of white court intrigue around this, which makes sense with respect to it being called White Knight. Oh yeah. shit, I didn't think about that. I figured that out. <laughs> I actually always mix up Blood Rights and White Knight in my brain. Because those <laughs> are two white court books. Like, just when I'm not deep in it, I'm talking about... Yeah. Know, I always have to stop and think about which one I'm talking about. And this is number nine. Yeah. And that was number six. And number three was... Where we met go- Thomas. The Ghosts and Vampires. Where, yeah, we met Thomas in that one. Oh, maybe just Thomas is a big character in there's a pattern with the denarians Mm -hmm. 5 10 15 like uh on the fives that they're the major that doesn't mean they can't come up and be involved but like five by five yeah hey five by five faith this isn't a buffy podcast (laughs) it's a it's a water polo podcast that talks about buffy sometimes exactly um squirrel well i can't it's like a military term it's like loud and clear i think Mm. yeah it's like volume or clarity or I think that's it, a scale of five, something like that. Um, mm. Or I'm okay. Yeah, I think it means loud and clear. I mean, good. I don't know. It's a military term. It's like five, two fives on a scale, I think. I, I looked it up decades ago because um, I wanted to be cool like Faith, mm-hmm. wrestling with alligators and speaking with a uh, sneaky Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah, white court intrigue and cow. So we got just a shit ton of shenanigans and bad stuff going on here. White court, black council. Also the circle. Presumably, I think those are probably the same thing. Same. Harry doesn't even acknowledge that at all. Yeah, he does. Oh, does he? Yeah, he he does. Oh, my bad. We're not smarter than Harry. Sorry. Oh, I know. I didn't think we were. I just thought Harry just dismissed. I mean, he did dismiss it. He still is going to call them black council. (laughs) Which I like better than him calling it the circle. 100%. Um, 
he's not for certain that it is, but he's he does make that connection. But he also would absolutely like, like just not dismiss, but like, you know, just need, need them. They wouldn't want to be called something else. And so yeah. he's going to call, them, you know, whatever the fuck he wants to call him. Exactly. Terry. That's how he rolls. Uh-huh. Chlor- Chlorophene. Pasture, vampires, impish space machine. Bad guys using Harry's thing. 15. Uh, he looked up at his face. I was back in chapter and saw that he's, he'd gone white and was dripping sweat. Yeah. So like, this is a really taxing spell. Yeah. Which makes sense. I wonder if that affected how much he got hurt. Could be. Like how on just another. Because he was in a weak mental state. Yeah. And just another thing that like Harry doesn't get that he is closer to Cal than he thinks. I think. Again, this is my projections and theories. Mm-hmm. Weird. Uh, you have projections and theories? Once in a while. <laughs> Twice. Twice. Oh, my dumbest theory. I don't know if I can tell you yet. I'll have to wait. But my dumbest theory is also my favorite about Cal. Oh, goodness. It's not true, but I love it. I guess I can say it. It's the dumbest thing ever. I'm traveling Carlos. Uh, <laughs> I love it. There's a reason why that is not a spoiler. Mm-hmm. It's time traveling Carlos to stop the villain Harry in the in the big apocalyptic trilogy. I mean, I apologize, but. <laughs> yeah, just Ramirez was good. Just exposition and, you know, kind of yeah. filling out the backstory. As we Elaine, usually do. Elaine is shady with him also and lies to him also. And puts tricks Harry with spells also and tries to kill Harry sort of also and lies and backstabs also and also is a good gal that we should protect. <laughs> I don't so, like her. She's the real hero of this tale. Um, mm. Oh, the, I, I touched on it already, but the New Mexico. Yeah. Certainly going to be a thing. Another um, stressor for all of our lives. And the way he brings up and explains to Bourne's backstory I can see why you, you like, I don't think you even thought this app before this, but like, this is how Elaine came into the story. Remember, he like mentioned her, talk, mentioned her, talked about her, mentioned her, talked about her, and then she showed up like the next chapter. So it was like, yeah. it was a surprise, but it was also had been set up. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, like, seeding. So it, it is just opens up to Molly. It's cool that he, he trusts her and is giving her this information. It also is helping explain the stuff, but um, I think this is good, a good thing to do for her. Kind of their, Most definitely, their... but it also what it also does is it sets. That is one of the reasons why I was thinking, could it be Justin? It kind of almost reiterated it because it was just like, why that name drop and why now? Why are we talking about it right now? But because of the whole, we know that everybody's a white court vampire. It doesn't necessarily come to play. But that was another like I was like, well, why are we talking about him? Because it's just you know like we don't generally talk about him a lot. But it's like how when Elaine showed up, and I was like, is that fucker going to show up? <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I, that's how my brain works yeah no for sure i mean they everything every single goddamn thing this author does is intentional a hundred percent we're never it didn't mean to do that no he fucking meant to do it yeah no just interesting and again new mexico he's clearly sowing seeds uh for what who god knows <laughs> i just just talk shit on her oh no there's a line i'm talking about elaine i did talk shit on her i'm going to again Demorne was a warlock. He had planned on training us to be his enforcers under a mental compulsion to be loyal to him. He nailed Elaine with it. I got suspicious and fought him. Harry, obviously, is the one with like strong mental defenses and uh-huh. like good social skills to recognize things are coming up. And uh-huh. Elaine is, is the weak, confused one, right? Right. Well, she's, I wouldn't say she's weak and confused. I I'm saying say. the exact, I'm saying the exact opposite of that. Yeah. What we know about Harry and what we know about Elaine 
that sentence just set off alarm bells for me. Also, because we talk how shit on how much we hate her. She's probably a bad guy every week on the show, even though, even the weeks that she's not in the story. <laughs> exactly. She's always doing something bad, even when she's helping people. She can still be a bad guy. It's a Buffy slash anti-Lane podcast. Podcast, exactly. Begrudgingly loving Harry Potter, despite all the problematic things. Oh, that touches on uh, Dresden once in a while, but like that, doesn't that seem, I know he's explaining it to simply to Molly, but that got me really suspicious. Of Elaine or on of what? Of Elaine, for sure. Well, yeah. Like, uh, mental compulsion to be loyal to him. He nailed Elaine with it, but Harry got suspicious and foggy. I, I don't know. It's just. No, I mean, it, it, I don't like her. Yeah. I don't um, like her. <laughs> uh, to her credit, however, as he walks up, you know, he, he mouse find a good boy. He finds the, <laughs> the room and she said, I thought you were going to call. I was in the neighborhood. And she immediately knows that he thinks someone there's dating. Yeah. But like, that's, that is really, I like that a lot. He's wrong that, but she, she knew she could follow his brain. Yeah. They have really a, that well. kind of connection on more than um, one level. Obviously they do that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Again, I didn't like it. People make mistakes. People fuck up. Have some empathy. Her kid died and she went crazy. Like, except um, for Elaine. <laughs> well, except for Elaine. I, I mean, she's currently bad. But we have no no reason to think Beckett has done anything wrong. And he like, like I just, I don't, I, I, no, I, I like I said, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't like that. Harry and, and Murphy are wrong to do this. But I thought it was interesting during that it was a necessary step for the story yeah narratively it makes sense because why else would she be there so he's gotta he's gotta rule her out because her husband's dead her kid's dead she's a convicted felon without much going on so this is a group of women that she can hang out with and but she's still social, working magic have social interactions with humans yeah but she's still working magic is she not allowed to no but the the, in the last time she worked magic that's what happened that's how I'm seeing it. That's how where there's this bad shit's happening with magic. Last time he was around her, bad shit happened with magic. And I think it's just he's just being. Yeah. Is it is it right? No. But is it and, something that needed a question that needed to be answered? Yes. Yeah, And I don't think it's unrealistic, especially for Murphy. Right. If there's a crime and there's, you know, an ex-felon, an ex-con like around. Who's had a similar, not necessarily the same exact thing, but she commit, she, you know, was killing people with magic. There's an ex-con around. I don't think it's just because she's an ex-con. I think it's because of her history of, of the, the, you know, her, how dangerous she was with magic in the past. Rates of recidivism are very high. I'm not saying it's, you know. Because of the, the corrections, the correction system. Yeah. In, oh, absolutely. Is absolutely or horrific. That's what I wrote my dissertation on, how the correction system fails women, so. In, well, in Welcome to Wrexham, there's a clip of one of the women's team players. Her day job uh-huh. is working in a prison. In a, you know, I'm sure it's a little security thing, but working in a prison. I don't know if it's co-women. She's just, I think there's two gen- separate gender. But she's just walking around the men's prison. Like, and they're like, like, because it's, it's about rehabilitation, not about punishment. Right? <laughs> it's just like different reasons for doing it. And you get, when you rehabilitate someone, then they can get back into society when you just punish them and take away their rights and their abilities to exist, it's hard. And I'm not advocating or, or, you know, making excuses for criminals. It's just attacking someone because they committed a crime one time. 
but I think it's more than because she committed a crime one time. I believe it's because of the type of things that are happening here. Yeah, I mean, you give more credit than I do, and that makes sense based on our backgrounds, right? And that's fine. I, I just, it also, you know, it does move the story along. But it was, what I thought was interesting is Harry talks about how he killed Justin, Molly Blick, but the first law. Mm-hmm. Helen Beckett was involved in, in using magic to murder people. But, but Abby stammered, but that's the first law. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, there's a cute synergy there, like, or like just low level, bright, bright eyed. It's par- parallel responses. Yeah. But it's like just newbies into the scene or like, you know, just, you just expect things to work. They're, they're not jaded. Like, yeah. Harry and Hel- and they haven't seen the dark side as much, as much at least. I just, again, I don't think that means anything deeper. It's just. I think it was, I think it was a, a story ploy to have that balance. It's just balance. But, but I really do like it. It also makes, it also makes sense yeah. that people newer on the scene would kind of believe what they're told. Well, not be, they're just not, they're they not don't skept- have the experience. Yeah, they're not super the- skeptical. They're not jaded. It's probably more accurate. Exactly. Um, but pictures of Thomas taking yeah. the girl that they knew this cabal was going after away. Not looking great for our favorite incubus. You call, him a, you call him a succubus last, last time. Isn't he a succubus? He is not. He's got boy parts. Oh, it's, oh I didn't know that there was a difference. I believe that's the case. Mm. The male equivalents known as an incubus yeah oh, there we go like like the hit rock band yes but uh it's not looking good no. however especially because the white king got brought up and so we know his sister's involved and she mentioned that we've seen the pressures that could be put on him through his sister yeah it's just there's a lot so we got the red herring of helen we got the white herring of thomas any thoughts there besides shock disbelief and like fuck that yeah you, couple you, things. You, you've been dismissive of it but a couple things Mm-hmm. One, Lana's, Lara's controlling him. Two, it's shapeshifter. Somebody's putting on a Thomas suit. Eggers. An Egger suit. Three, he's getting her away from her resident, her place. He's helping her hide. Oh, okay. That's my. Those are my three uh, if then sort of situations. So no chance. It's it's our Thomas, our our sweet boy. I don't think he would. Be, I, I don't think he would be doing it outright. He would have to have some sort of persuasion. Yeah. Like, we, we, is we Lana fucking with Justine or whatever the hell her name is? I could see that happening because, she, you know, we know how much. It's like the one way to get to Thomas. The one way to get to Thomas is fuck with Justine. Uh, or Harry, maybe. And, or we also know that Lana would not. That's not. Lara. Uh, that's not, Lara, Lara. Sorry. I don't know where Lana came from. But she is not above, above doing that either. Oh yeah, and I mean, she's she's schemed her way to the oh yeah she's a schemer the top, the top of the white court for all yeah he, he and it, like it it could be you know he's doing something with uh, Justine or if she's convincing him to do this to come be able to come back into the fold or has something else over his head I mean it can be any number of things but do I think he's actually doing it maliciously and with full thought no there's something else involved yeah no for sure just to that scheming thing like. The white court are schemers. They don't fight in the open. We know that, right? So like, yeah. Lara is schemed her way to the, the top of the heap of schemers and none of the schemers know it. Like she's a fucking, she's the top tier schemer, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, she's always got to be a threat whenever she's brought up. And I, what we know about Thomas, it certainly, certainly isn't something he would do willingly. I like, I like the other angles as well. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I don't see this as, again, I've read it, but there's no evidence we've seen so far that Thomas is going out and murdering people for fun. No, there's nothing else. Yeah, he's not wearing a a cowl jersey. (laughs) More to learn, but it certainly does complicate things for Harry as well. Most definitely. I think that's all I have notes-wise here. Um, got anything else there? I do not. Awesome. I just hope Harry doesn't pull a Harry and do like he did with Helen and be like, it's you, bro. What the fuck? And doesn't, like, you know, actually work on that. Yeah, it just, it also was, like, super inelegant. Yeah. Like. Which is why I know it's not him. Oh, I'm at Helen. I'm going oh, back. Oh, okay. I'm back to the Helen thing. Right? It was just, like, in the in that room, it's, it's, it's just not the right way to do any of that. Yeah, I did, but I but I think that putting her on the spot is the way he had to do it. Yeah, she's going to accuse someone of multiple murders of their friends of the people in the room and ruin her relationships with people there. That's definitely the best way to do it. Um, by Tetris, not even. Um, that's what she thinks. She definitely that's how she reacted. She's you know yeah. That's why she tells him like depraved sexual shit. Like like yeah, let's fucking get out there. Like fuck you, dude. Like you know I don't know. I didn't. I, I'm gonna be dumb. <laughs> Part of my chart. Yikes. Yikes. Just Bob. That's uh, about it. No problem with his problematic comments, though. Cosmetic. She's using cosmetics on her arm? Uh, no, that he wants to see her naked before she starts to oh, set. Oh, no, I'm well aware that that is. Uh, that's the worst part, for sure, before it's too late. Yeah, no, I, that's, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought that went without saying it. That, that's what this for to say that yeah, yeah. No, I, like, again it's bob and the point is it's over the top so i it's like i, I think it's problematic in universe i we've talked about this before but like yeah this is not jim thinking this is no but it, it i don't like the just leave molly alone yeah she's been through a lot in the story and again the first her first words ever on screen were or second line was about the breast fairy yeah when she was 13 or 14 it's there, it's just a, a weird plot weird character mm. but yeah no my my problem was he's talking about how she's lost either she's lost weight or or using cosmetics on her arms gained weight or lost baby fat there you go but either working way. out or yeah is arm cosmetics a thing uh like, shading people shade their body parts yeah like using makeup on their arms yeah i know you do for like photo shoots and shit but like to go yeah. read some wizard books i guess when your crush is there maybe or if she was um, a- if she was at school before? Fair enough, I guess. I just seen a lot of weird shit girls do, Joshy. I, I mean, it's hard. I, 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 I hear a new crazy thing mm-hmm. that you guys have to worry about like every every week. And I clearly, there's many I don't know. But they do spell gray wrong. Which gray? Like gray cloak? He spells it A-Y rather than E-Y? He spells it E-Y. But scarlet and gray are well, there's two different ways to spell gray. I'm aware. I've just decided that I'm going to enforce gray as in scarlet and, which are the colors of the Ohio State University. Yes. Who, who just signed the number one quarterback from this for this year because he transferred from Alabama. He went to Alabama, signed Alabama, then Saban quit. And I was like hoping he'd go to Ohio State so bad because he is the first ever five star, which is like top couple human beings in the country out of Carlsbad High School, and he is now going to be a star Buckeye, hopefully. Which is exciting. Just insane. Um, so, A-Y is more frequent in American English, where E-Y is more frequent in British English. Oh, sure. 
I, they are, I know they're both correct. I actually think I... No, no, I, but I was, I, I was like, I, th- I was like, why are they... Where do they belong? Yeah, oh, I got you. I love etymology. Um, I was watching a, a professor that I watched clips of on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Tell how, how exciting and clearly I'm going to be a high-powered influencer here in no time. I sit around my house and watch professors' lectures on TikTok. Joshua, when I was a child, I used to read the encyclopedia for fun. Okay? Nerd. Uh, 112%. We said, but this this one was that Turks Mm -hmm. are more genetically uh, and like linguistically connected to Central Asia because they, you know, just as like a lot of nomadic peoples and Uh empires conquering and stuff. But so they they landed in, you know, what is now Turkey. But like, I guess he said if they, they... Stand next to a Korean and they're both talking. It's really similar, apparently. I haven't tested it. That's really interesting. I have a Turkish or Korean-speaking friends at at the ready. I have a Korean-speaking friend, but I don't know anyone who speaks Turkish. But apparently, like, linguistically, they're very similar. I just love quirks like that. Like the Basque language. There's a region in uh, northern Spain and southern Mm -hmm. France. The Basque. Eta was their, is like their, whatever. That it's a language that's like, is it doesn't make sense? Like something, something funky is they, they don't connected with any of the ones around them. I haven't looked at this recently, but that was mm-hmm. my understanding. I just thought it was cool. And when you get the cool stuff, stop learning because then you learn why it's not cool. Inevitably, that's how history works. Something's <laughs> cool, but the Basque language is very unique and like not really connected, doesn't really make sense in that. Reason. Like, clearly, they you know came from somewhere else. Yeah, um, that's interesting though. Anything else on the I mean. You know, Carlos, the way he, he talks about Elaine is how Carlos talks, but um, I mean, it's it just, it, it's just, it wasn't, it, that didn't bother me. It's just bluster between bros. I don't super mind it. You know, whatever. Being res- kind and respectful is always its own reward, but it wasn't, I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, certainly, certainly wasn't out of normal bros trying to talk and impress each other on the phone stuff, you know? So, and it was, it was, I didn't think it was more of a lighthearted sort of, yeah, you know, more about him than about her. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's fair. She was the, a tool to tell a joke, I guess, but, but he does, you know, give her, I think he gives her respect and, and kudos in the, you know, in, yeah. in the conversation before, which softens the blow, I guess. But anything else there? I, I think not a ton. That's mm, super bad. No, I don't think so. I really like so far this section, the first couple novels. We would go on at length, and that was actually a lot of our complaints. Reddit and on, uh, you know, internet like messages and stuff was about. Well, you're so, you, you're like social justice, feminist bullshit. Like, no, no, like these are just two. He starts out really problematic. He gets better. Yeah, he gets a lot love, better. There's a reason we love these, but I, I actually wonder. I'm gonna ask Jim, like, if if he would do Stormfront differently if you wrote it today, and I, I think he would say yes, right? Like. I think he's mature. I mean, I'm going to ask him after he takes a picture. Mm-hmm. I, or I'd like to anyway. I don't know if I'll get an opportunity. Like, right. I, I feel like obviously Harry wouldn't have changed and progressed this drastically if mm-hmm. he didn't mean it. Right. So like, I, I just, I stand by our thoughts and, and our, yeah. our, uh, you know, I don't stand by the editing or the uh, editing or sound quality, but, um, <laughs> but we said it's going to get, I think it's going to get better. And it really has. It's, yeah. Some, it has. M- most weeks we don't even have it. So good and job, Josh. And the and the yikes stuff is more of a characterization. Yeah, it's in universe yikes Bob. more than yeah. 
And even and even Harry has a negative response to it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's being ignored. Harry has a negative response response to the shit that Bob says. Like, dude, come on. You know? Yeah, and he pushed back in, in his defense. He pushed back a little bit in the early novels, but he was also doing the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I guess that brings us to quotes of the week. Okay. Quotes of the week? What do you got for Quotes me? of the week. Evil's afoot. Well, sure, Bob said, because it refuses to learn the metric system. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would be up to a meter by now. You can tell I didn't like that one because I, I didn't laugh over your entire... Uh, oh, good. I could wind up on the floor of my lab, drooling, transformed from professional wizard, transformed from professional wizard into unemployed vegetable. Screw it. You don't do a job like mine by running away from any hint of danger. <laughs> this is about Undertown. Someone in the government had shown unaccountably good judgment in considering the notion that that developing a freaking nuclear weapon smack in the middle of America's second largest city qualified as a bad idea. Uh, The ringwraith look was hardly uncommon among those who fancied themselves dark wizards of one kind or another, after all. I hate it when the real world ignores a perfectly logical, rational assumption. Sounds like we have a plan. If we repeat it often enough, maybe we'll even believe it. And she never told you? Molly demanded. What a bitch. <laughs> I just enjoy that. Oh, like how I'm, I'm starting to come your way on Murphy. And I have come a lot of the way. <laughs> but you've like blasted past me on an Elaine hate. And I love it. <laughs> I fucking hate her. But I hated her the moment we met her. <sighs> I didn't trust her. I don't like her. Yeah, yeah, she just wasn't. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. Have the day you deserve. Exactly. Um, uh, Bless your heart. Since you stole my Manhattan Project one, I have uh, I know almost back to back, but I love them both. Harry, Molly said. She was speaking through some kind of megaphone pressed directly against the side of my head, evidently while pounding my skull with the pointy end of a claw hammer. <laughs> hey, boss, can you hear me? Ow, I said. What happened? Oh, I repeated annoyed. Is this such an explanation enough? I love it. Um, the second owl killed yeah. me. And then uh, right after that, talking to Bob, how bad, you know, how bad did it get me? How bad? Hard to say. How many fingers am I holding up? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, Good stuff. Intrigue afoot, which makes sense in a book involving so many white court references. Mm -hmm. Um, We learned a lot about their machinations or at least their triumvirate setup here. You wouldn't happen to have a crackpot theory of the week for us, would you? This is probably super not true, but I have to put it out there. Uh, just so we're clear, when we're comparing theories, no matter how dumb this is, promise it's not as bad as time traveling Carlos. I mean, it is pretty rad. Elaine's Which I will in stand on it. by. I will fight you on it. Sorry, go ahead. Elaine's in on it. <laughs> just because I fucking hate her so much. On this, on this, yeah, Elaine? Elaine's in on it. <laughs> okay. I mean, she was in bed with the fairies. Why isn't she in bed with the uh, vampires? She lost her protection from one group. Exactly. 100%. Fuck that bitch. I just don't like her. She gets better after the time travel. After the time travel? Um, Maybe. Maybe she's time traveling Kumori. Who knows? (laughs) I'm standing by. Until until it's proven wrong. That's who Cal is. Um, Beyond that, uh, I guess that just about does it. I got to hustle to practice, and you got to hustle to the end of your day off. Woohoo! Your That's Sunday. not hustle to that, though. I know. Relax. 
ease into it. Sip a sip a cocktail. Good stuff. Yeah. That's a weird spike in downloads at 9 a.m. this morning. So I'm guessing someone was having trouble with their Spotify, but thank you for hooking up our probably our best hour ever. Uh, hey, I'll take it. Which is funny. Beyond that, I appreciate you guys. Like I said, we're going to Norwest Con, a literary con and with a literary and sci-fi con uh, for the most parts up in Seattle, Washington. Uh, and like maybe it's it's in the SeaTac area at the end of March that we're very excited about. And I cannot wait. And if anybody else is in the neighborhood or coming out, definitely hit us up. Uh, we'd love to meet you, but, and we will be posting like and regularly, maybe daily, our picture of Jim Butcher with a branded dick mark. I promise you. Um, <laughs> even if I have to hold it, he's just in the picture. But yeah, no, I, I'm very excited about that. I'm excited I get to see my sister in real life personhood, presumably. But I'd rather see you guys. So hit me up. Yeah, no, thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you. We were, Lissy asked me to count them up, and we had done 54 episodes. So this is number, this is number 55, which I cannot drive. But since the speed limit is 60 often here in Seattle, they take that literally, and then you actually have to drive 55. Cars do go 55. <laughs> this must be an adjustment they make for California, that the 55 is not a thing. For people with an ocean and sunshine, we are an impatient lot, I guess. We are. Either way. Anything else before we get out of here? Um, we are doing chapters 19 to 24. Sound about yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll keep it as the sixes. They've treated us well so far. I think I like where it ends there. Again, maximum pain on my sister <laughs> is the priority because we all had to suffer the first time through too. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you. Hit us up. We love the feedback. We love the conversations we're having. Definitely have a tournament this weekend, 100% now. Uh, and so I have now two days to turn this over and also work and life. So I will be uh, doing my darndest. There's a universe where it comes out Sunday evening for the P Patreon and then Monday for everyone else. I'm going to try to stick to the, to, I'm just trying to get it done before I have to get out of Dodge um, and sit in <laughs> Friday traffic. But you, know, you never know. That's life. But and I appreciate you guys understanding that. Unfortunately, I still have a real job. So weird. I was hoping that I'd be retired by now when I was a child. Isn't I that? knew I was going to get rich. I just yeah. don't have the skills or will or work ethic or abilities or anything else. So turns out I love what I do. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best. Hopefully we get out and you're listening to this on Sunday, Saturday morning. If you're a wonderful, beautiful person, per perfect, spectacular, adorable Patreon subscriber. And, and if you're listening to this on Sunday, you know what? You matter too. And we appreciate you. But you do have homework. You got to tell one person. Patreon.com slash the podcast was on fire. Patreon.com slash the podcast was on fire. You get dumb pictures. You get the pod a day early. Lissy gets a cup of coffee. That sounds like a fair trade to me. Actually, you guys bought her. You guys bought her ticket to Norwest Con. So thank you so much. I get to see my sister. The podcast was on fire at gmail.com. The podcast was on fire at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And we're looking forward to it. So beyond that, Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Hugs, fist bumps, chest bumps, running, launching, shoulder, shoulder bump. Gently. And we'll see you soon. I have been Josh. And I am Alyssa. If the podcast is on fire. And it wasn't my fault.
have you watched any of uh, Welcome to Wrexham? No, the I haven't. Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhinney bought it. Yeah, I know what it is. I just have to soccer. It's, uh, yeah, if anybody does it, they bought a fifth-tier soccer club in the English pyramid. They're at, club's actually in Wales, Wrexham. But it's uh, absolutely incredible. I recommend it. I've, I've watched most, almost all of the episodes twice. Um, That's awesome. It does a really great job of like doing... Doc- it's very much a puff piece and it's documentary. It's a, it is a documentary, but there's puff pieces and stuff, but a lot of human interest and like you meet, learn about the players and like their struggles. I try, I, this shouldn't surprise anyone. But I try like <laughs> every episode. Like it's, it's beautiful. Good stuff. What did I think about that? Why did I bring that up? I don't know. God damn it. I had a point there. I swear. <laughs> I really don't know why I, I, there was a reason I brought that up. either way. Um, I so don't. Nah, your brain just moves too fast. That's going to get cut. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>